Okay, here we go with episode number 18 of the Florida Trail Runners podcast. This one is coming hot off the first trail event for Best Damn Race. They had the Starkey Park Team Relay Trail Race. And from seeing and hearing from folks, they had a blast out there. Like in many of the other relay races out there, you had the options of camping, glamping, and going for the cabin life. In most relay fashions, you had groups of eight or four to cover 130 miles, or you could do the six person beauty sleep option and cover 97.5. But hey, here we go with your founder of Best Damn Race and Best Damn Events, Nick Sivilvich. Why are you running the best damn race? We're running to stay healthy. We're running for gear. We're running for charity. We're running to win. We're running to blog about it. We're running for the bling. It doesn't matter why you run, as long as you are running in the best damn race. Hey, hey. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good. I'm ready. Yeah. So I guess, Nick, I guess we'll start off with, you know, a little bit about yourself, your, maybe your athletic background and a little about you before Best Damn Race. Okay, sure. Uh, gosh, you know, I, I, I ran track in high school, I guess, is when I first started, you know, doing anything that had to do with running, I guess. And, uh, you know, we're talking 800 and 400 and things like that. So it was more speed related than it was endurance you know, anything to do with longer than a, you know, a 5k. And I, uh, you know, went off to college and did those types of things and didn't really get involved in endurance training until probably 27, somewhere in that range. Um, and you know, one of my friends one day was like, Hey, let's go do a 5k or 10k. So I just did it and got the competitive bug there at, at 27. And I hadn't done anything competitively, you know, since high school. So it was good to, you know, start competing again, albeit slow. Um, and then one of my friends says, let's do a triathlon. So I said, cool. And, you know, I went out and didn't just borrow a bike and didn't just, you know, do it with, you know, out training. So I actually went and bought a road bike and, or, yeah, and went and bought, you know, goggles and helmet and the whole deal and, and took it seriously and then just loved it and started doing competitive, you know, age group competitive, uh, running and triathlon, if you will. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, I used to always play like, you know, tackle football and ran track a little bit and pick up games of basketball, stuff like that. So I really missed that competitive outlet, if you will. And once I started running, you know, I could run with other people. I was really competing against myself, if you will. But once I got a little bit faster, I started competing with others and same thing with triathlon. It really was a good outlet for me. And I really started to enjoy it. And, you know, from 27 to call it 40 i just completely immersed my life in in running and triathlon yeah with triathlon as well as go, you know jumping into like the half marathon and the marathon that kind of influenced to how i know best damn race started forming oh for sure um you know fast forward to 2012 i you know was just starting to get a little bit more competitive with running and triathlon um not winning races or anything yet at that point but you know at least getting some coaching um to where i wanted to get better and I ran the inaugural uh, Rock and Roll St. Pete Half Marathon um, here in Florida. And I said, you know, wow, this is, we don't really have anything like this here in Tampa, the Tampa Bay area. We have a lot of small little charity races, but nothing that's a big event production. And the big event production 
was something that really caught my eye. But the downfall of rock and roll is it doesn't scale, right? So when you get done, they hand you a prepackaged, uh, you know, power bar. They hand you a banana. And your bib has two drink tickets, and that's it. So I thought, well, shit, wouldn't it be great if we could have a race here in Tampa that has the big race feel and production and, you know, event professionalism, but was catered to unlimited free drinks, unlimited free food, no go- no asking your buddy to borrow their beer tab ticket, um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then offering multiple distances. And so, you know, I decided to said, well, you know what, I'm going to put a race together. And uh, it was all based on, you know, really starting to have a passion for running, seeing what rock and roll did in St. Pete. And then me saying, well, I, I want this same feel, but I want I want to scale it for the local people and have a local race price and give them, give them unlimited, you know, options for food, unlimited free options. Because I just, you know, the nickel and diming, I remember you had to pay $5 to park at the Trop or something like that just to park for the event. And I thought that's bullshit. You know, you're spending <laughs> so much money for this race. Why do you got to pay for parking as well? You know, it seems like they they were nickel and diming. And, um, you know, I then, I, of course, I had to come up with a name for the race. And, you know, I thought, well, that'd be the best fucking race if I could do all those things. And I said, well, I can't call it that. So I came up with best damn race. Yeah. And that's a question I had, too. Like the name best damn race. Did you have any concerns about the word damn? So, no, actually, I didn't. What's funny was. You know, I was I came from a marketing background, so I thought "damn" was catchy. Um, I didn't take it literally, right? And so the local race directors in the Tampa area were offended <laughs> <laughs> because they thought, I would, "Here comes this new guy coming in town." And again, I wasn't coming in town; I'm local, right? Um, but here is this guy who's going to put on his first race and call it the best damn race, and it was they took it as an insult to their races actually. And I was just like, guys, this is just marketing. Let's, let's calm down a little bit. Um, over the last decade, I guess we had a handful of emails that were not in favor of the word damn, which, you know, they say it on TV. So I, I, I don't think in 2022, certainly not um, a swear word on broadcast television or radio. So, you know, one guy had emailed and, you know, you might, consider bleeping this out later when you do editing but he was very upset he said this was like the best fucking cocksucking motherfucking blah blah i mean like every adjective swear word <laughs> you could think of uh, race in, in his email and i said you know i said well you know of course i said well i'll take that under consideration but i think it's just cleaner to leave it as damn and uh, we didn't hear from that gentleman again <laughs> uh, yeah i'm sure best damn race has a lot that's a lot catchier than than all of those words too. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, you know, city council when when the vote when the vote went up to city council to do the race for the first year in Safety Harbor, which is our inaugural event. You know, one of the city commissioners asked me to change the name of the race before they approved it, and I laughed. I said, you know, I, I appreciate where you're coming from, but you know, it's not a bad word, and it's catchy, and you know. Are you going to ask every business that does business in Safety Harbor to change their name because it's something that you want? That just seems ridiculous. Um, you know, and, you know, they voted for it and the rest is history, if you will. Yeah. So coming into that first event, how did you really mastermind and plan? How was this going to go down to everything that you wanted? Yeah. So I'm a marketing guy first, right? So mm-hmm. one, and we worked in radio and TV. And one of the things that 
worked in radio and TV back back when you know things were fair was if you got in line at Ticketmaster on the website or in person, like the first person in line would get the best available seat. That was actually a thing. Now, of course, Live Nation and Ticketmaster are all in cahoots and they, they pull the seats aside and resell them for a higher value and it's garbage. But so I thought, well, you can't do that with a race, right? Like everyone's running. You can't actually give them a better position. And But what we could do is give them a better price. So I came up with a registration blitz where the first 10 people were a dollar, the next 10 people were $2, the next 10 people were three to four, five, six, and so on and so forth, right? So um, my advertising shtick was not only the word damn, but also there's a 5K, 10K half, and you can get in for as little as a dollar. And to my knowledge, in the States or actually anywhere in the world, no one had ever done a registration blitz where it was $1, $2, $3. So um, I believe we were the first. We were certainly copied after that, um, which is fine. Um, so that created a frenzy. So when it came time to open registration, um, you know, it it it, it uh, crashed the server, of course, because thousands of people were trying to get on there to do a half marathon for a dollar. So, of course, people emailed in. But that's how we got people in the door. And, you know, once you acquire that customer and, you know, hopefully the plan was to give them a good experience and then um go from there and you know first year we did three thousand people yeah and for the server was that run sign up or something prior to run sign up yeah so a local runner um was like hey uh, that i ran with i was like hey i'm doing a race he's like hey i'm building a registration platform so i told him what i wanted to do and again no software company hat was available like i tried to reach out to active and they couldn't do it and no one knew how to do it yet and i hadn't had a relationship with one sign up yet so i used a local programmer to do it uh based on sp spot and line run sign up actually now does it as spot at checkout um so it's not technically the, the spot in line so um he programmed it. It you know it worked well enough. There was of course some glitches and stuff like that. But once once we realized we were too big for his system, I switched over to run sign up. Wow. Yes, yeah, I know Sean Blanton. He's he shut down ultra sign up before, which I guess it means a good feeling to know like holy cow. <laughs> yeah, I mean like the, the demand was there, so it was pretty sweet. Um, and people got you know people obviously got what we were trying to do with the brand, and you know that's great that we had all these signups, but of course you know. That doesn't mean anything if you don't know how to produce races. And at that time, you know, I had no idea how to produce a race. Right. Yeah. Cause I know your marketing background with like radio, TV sales. I think you were on the board for the American marketing in Tampa for a while. Yeah. So yeah. So I was a, a marketing guy that was good at that piece. Um, you know, and I owned, I owned an advertising agency at the time, but I didn't know anything about uh, race production. So you know, the next step, obviously, once we had a registration that was up and running, you know, well, you know, prior to that, I did interview some race directors, but um, none of them took me seriously, of course, because they're like, yeah, I'm not sure how this is going to work and $1 and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I met one gentleman uh, named Philip LaHaye, and he was an event director for Premier Event Management at Louisiana, but also the race director for St. Anthony's Triathlon here locally, and also uh, worked for Ironman. Um, so upon meeting him, I knew like, this is the guy immediately. I'm going to hire this guy to do it. And he gave me a price. I said, sure. He kind of laughed at me. And, uh, I said, okay, I'll see you next week after registration opens. And, you know, I think we had a thousand to 1200 people that first week register. 
and uh, he came back and then our conversation was obviously much different. Um, but Philip, you know, had the background from rock and roll, Iron Man, you know, um, produced, you know, beta breakers to New York City triathlon to New Orleans 70.3 and, you know, so on and so forth. So he was the right guy and we hired him or we, I say I hired him um, to race track the first race and actually the first two races for me and um, really became a sponge for knowledge to learn what it was like to be, uh, you know, a race director, an event director. Yeah, because there's a lot of those little nuances like, you know, permits and the signage, barricades, all the little things, water. How much water do you need? A lot of those things. Were you able to pick that up pretty quick with, you know, with that guidance? Oh, yeah. I mean, like the thing is, like, you know, it was all in Philip's head, right? So, like, I had to ask all the questions. And, you know, year one, I was just kind of just sitting back being a sponge for knowledge and learning. And he'd be like, I need you to order this. And I'm like, what's this? And he goes, you know, three foot by eight foot Cora, which goes on the barricades that is coming from the PEM truck. Okay, great. And then I would learn that three foot by eight foot Cora plastic boards would be the ones that would go, would fit on the approximately nine and a half feet Cora signs, right? And then, hey, we're going to order snow fence or scrim, whatever you want to call it. And these are the, this is the guy and this is the contact and, and there, and this is what we need for crew. And, and so like, yeah, I don't know, like we need two aid station guys and three course guys and, you know, guys and gals and registration team and volunteer team. So I learned, I learned that all on the go. And, you know, the first, I said, first couple of years, I sat back and learned what we needed equipment wise, what we needed um, to execute a race. And then, you know, a couple of years in, once I went from uh, just one race to expanding to Orlando and Cape Coral and Jacksonville and New Orleans and stuff, I decided, well, maybe it's time to, instead of renting my equipment, purchase my own equipment. Yeah, with that expansion, how did that growth kind of grow and how did you really see it? And kind of how did you pick, you know, this area for this race and this area for that race? Sure. Well, Safety Harbor was, you know, the, the marina is a beautiful place. Um, and it's 2.3 miles from my doorstep. So, I mean, so I, I ran it so many times. I said, this would be a beautiful place for a run. And, you know, there really wasn't a big Pinellas race at that point, except for the Rock and Roll one in St. Pete. So that first one was easy. It was just in my backyard. The second market I chose was Orlando. And I'm a UCF grad, so I'm very familiar with the Orlando area. And it's, you know, the next biggest market closest to Tampa. So that's was natural, natural, natural to pick that market logistically speaking, because if we have a good amount of local crew, you know, they can easily get there via a vehicle instead of, a, instead of a, um, you know, airplane and things like that. So that'll be more cost effective. Um, Orlando, I believe the first year was somewhere around 2,700 people as well. So we had a huge travel contingent come from Tampa. I said, well, shit, you know, I think, we don't, we don't just have a race. I think we might have a company. Right. Um, and then we started to think about other markets in South Florida or Northern Florida and to continue to expand. And next thing I knew I was ignoring the advertising agency and just focusing on my passion, which was running and um, started picking other markets in Florida in the Southeast. Yeah. That I means that growth is, it's awesome to see that coming into like, once you, now you've expanded that culture of your event, What's something special about like the culture at your race? Yeah, I don't think you're going to find a better post-race party in the business, right? You know, like we talked about at the beginning of the conversation was I wanted unlimited free beer, but, you know, we added unlimited free vodka drinks too, right? So then there was, I mean, at any given race, you're going to have 
vodka drinks. You're going to have beers, seltzers. You're going to have ciders. You're going to have uh, Papa John's pizza. You'll have Outback Steakhouse at one race. You'll have um, Menchie's frozen yogurt. You know, so we, we really worked hard on partnering with so many different companies that can provide a unlimited um, menu for everybody. So it really is a different experience. I mean, we have people that just pay the registration fee to go walk, jog a 5k and then just party, you know, <laughs> it's, it's really the, the Tampa and Orlando ones and, you know, Tampa being safety Harbor and Orlando really have a special atmosphere. Um, New Orleans was really good for a hot minute there until, um, until the COVID shut us down for a couple of years. But um, we just finally had our, our, our one, our first one in New Orleans in a while, but yeah, it's just cool. It's just, it's a different experience than your local 5k you're getting that big race production um but you're getting catered to like it's a local event um so you see your local friends and stuff like that and you can hang out and hang out and party if you will and of course that goes into the run eat drink and party right yeah absolutely i mean we don't take ourselves very seriously except for the logistics so of course i mean we take our planning and course course logistics and safety very seriously, but then post race, like, you know, let's have, let's have a good time. We're, we're, de we're definitely cutting people off constantly. Every race. It's, it's definitely a last call situation. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Well, when you're expanding, how do you create the course that like in New Orleans, how do you know what kind of course that you want to put down into the design of the course? Well, I think, uh, you know, experience is everything. And when we first started with New Orleans, um, you know, I reached out to Premier Event Management, a gentleman named Bill Burke, who helped me my first couple of years with, with equipment rental. And Bill Burke is a fantastic race director who lives in New Orleans. He, you know, had he took part and helped with Crescent City Classic. He created New Orleans 70.3. He, he, he created Augusta 70.3. He still helps race direct beta, uh, beta breakers in San Francisco or did. Uh, escape from Alcatraz, like the resume is insane. Um, so when I want to go to New Orleans. Of course, the first phone call was to Bill and said, Hey, we should bring the party to New Orleans. Let's work on this. And he, you know, Bill was like, that's great. We should run here. You should use this park. You should run this route. Um, and the shit was already in Bill's head before I could even have the, you know, ask like, what do you think? Um, then we drew up, you know, a compensation plan for him and, and we were off. Um, and we worked together on the event for the first couple of years until his schedule got busy um and we worked on it with a year or two without him and then this last year his schedule was open so we worked with him again um so just you know it's it's really who you know or just do a market visit right you know if we when we went to savannah um was this savannah for vacation it was just fucking awesome and i said oh, I, I said i want to put a race here i know rock and roll does so of course i went and registered for the rock and roll savannah half uh, I did the day before at the expo, I think it was $175, which was pretty nuts for uh, race weekend registration for half marathon. I mean, I knew people at Ironman, so I probably could have got a free entry, but like, I, you know, I don't want to be that guy. So I just paid for the money, ran the race as recognizance, if you will, and then put a race there the next year. Yeah, the Rock and Roll Savannah, that's that's where I ran my first marathon. I did the did that one out there. Which back to your point, like the atmosphere there is, it's good, it's fun. I got third overall, so I was allowed to go into the VIP area. So my experience was great; it was fun. I had a blast. But for my friends that also ran it, they finished, and it's like, yeah, here's your bar, here's your banana, 
<laughs> yeah, it, it can't scale, right? And and to no fault of their own, right? Like they're just too big. So when you're that big, you can't give free beer to ten thousand people, and you can't give free food to ten thousand people. And so, but you can do it for three to four thousand people, right? The scale works in that scenario. Otherwise, it'd just be it'd be too much of a footprint. You know, certainly not in their in their marquee event. Las Vegas is forty five thousand people or forty thousand people. There's no way. There's no way you can do free food for that many people and free drinks. Yeah, because like with the old, you know, the marketing saying, like if you build it, they will come. But really, they won't unless they trust you and your product, right? Yeah, I mean, the end of the day, I mean, I learned early on you're not gonna you're not gonna appease a hundred percent of people, right? So you want to aim for, you know pleasing 95 plus percent or somewhere in that vicinity. Um, you know, and there's no way rock and roll can bat that high because it's just a numbers game. It's just too many people. Um, and too many things can happen with that many people. I mean, you can hide small logistical errors or small planning errors when you have a small event, but when you have a big event, it's just, it's impossible. Yeah. That's a big thing with the big events versus kind of that local feel. When you were just starting, did you have any kind of grassroots marketing, like just showing up and like, hey? Like, uh, oh, yeah, man. Like I did the work, right? I, and I'm pretty sure I did work that others didn't do. I mean, I was at every local running club. I'd contact the local running club and I'd go show up and I would run with them and I would talk about the race, talk about what the race was going to be. I'd be at Third Friday in Safety Harbor setting up a booth with a bunch of people that are walking around and drinking, asking, what is this? And I explained to them that we're going to have a race there. I mean, it was all in, man, you know? So there was, a, a, you know, we're talking posters uh, going to every running store and saying, can you put my poster in your window and here's some postcards? Like, you name it, I did it, right? Um, it was a lot of grassroots. Um, and then once they see you show up to the running club and, and care and, and raffle off an entry and things like that, you know, it, it really goes a long way. But again, it doesn't matter if the race is shit. You have, the race has to be good. And, you know, we crushed it the first year everyone had a fucking blast and we had perfect weather and the, the right logistics team and the right race director and everything kind of fell into place which was awesome um so you know year one we had three thousand, and then year two we ballooned to 4500 holy cow yeah <laughs> but the problem was you know we weren't we didn't have a good plan for the growth right so that was an issue. You know, we didn't plan for 15 extra people to park. We didn't plan for 1500 people extra to eat. We didn't plan for, uh, potential increases in PD and things like that. So our second year, um, you know, we, you know, we still had a, a good race, but we didn't have a great race like the first year. And there were some, there were some hits and misses. And, um, I remember, you know, after that race, I was really, really down. So I decided to write a long-winded email to all the race participants, you know, addressing what I saw we we missed on and that, you know, I would personally spend as much time as possible fixing things to make sure that moving forward that these aren't going to happen again. And um, I think that was good. I mean, it was therapeutic for me and um, I wanted to hold myself and my brand accountable and people really were um, appreciative of the email. I got so many emails back saying like, look, I was pissed and I was never going to race with you guys again, but because of this email, you know, we're going to give you guys another shot. Um, and, you know, everyone was telling me not to do it. And then uh, the next thing I know, the email was circulating around Ironman's headquarters, like 
Jesus, did you see this email that Nick wrote? I can't believe he just fell on the sword for all this shit. Um, (laughs) You know, because the argument was like, look, 70% of the people didn't see any of these issues, right? 70% of the people didn't run out of water. 70% of the people didn't have any food issues or course issues or delays or whatever. And I said, I don't care. I said, I need to talk to those other 30%. If that other 30% is 20%, I don't care. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll shine light on our misses. And I don't care if the other 70% didn't know about it. They're going to know about it. But I, I really need to make sure everyone else knows that we care and we're going to do better. Yeah, just being honest with people, too. That's such a big one of the biggest things. When I put on my first Skunk Ape Night Run, I didn't have uh, reflective tape. I kind of, it was my first time doing an event by myself. And I had a lot of people get lost. I only had one porta potty. Um, I, one of the aid stations didn't get set up. There was a lot of things that I messed up on and only, I think 10 out of 60 people actually complained, but sometimes those people, they have the loudest voice, but it's also to let everyone know like, Hey, look, I'm going to take all this and it's going to be better for next year. Oh yeah. No question. You know, and that's, I mean, shit, I just produced a, a, a a trail relay race, having never even run a trail relay race in my life or a trail race for that matter this last weekend at Starkey park. So, uh, I feel you there's, there's, there's certainly some things that we missed or misjudged if you will. Um, but I mean, nothing major, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, we've been doing this for 10 years. We're event professionals, so we can plan ahead. And, you know, obviously I've looked at what other trail races have done. I looked at what like Ragnar has done, for example. So we had a good game plan going in and we executed it fairly well. Um, but you know, there was a few, uh, minor things here and there. Like you said, the reflective tape, you know, we used a bunch of tape. We didn't use any reflective tape, but we put out, uh, lanterns and glow sticks and stuff like that. But a couple of survey flags that with reflective tape would have obviously gone a long way. Yeah. That's the thing that I didn't know. So I, yeah, I had glow sticks out on the course. Glow sticks don't do anything when you have a headlamp. <laughs> I learned that one pretty quick. Right. Right. For sure. And that, was, yeah. that was cool with here recently with the Starkey Park. First off, I love seeing Sasquatch out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool, right? <laughs> I'm going to have to get one of those for myself, I think. I should. Yeah. How, do you, how do you think the event went overall? For, well, I wasn't out there, but I saw a lot of good posts on like the Florida Ultra page or Florida Trail Runners. A lot of people were posting very highly of it out, oh, right. out on social media. Yeah, I felt like uh, I felt like everyone seemed to be um, uh, highly satisfied. Yeah, it looks like you had a lot of people out there. And, and it's obviously a numbers game. You need numbers, number of participants. You need number for the registration price. And you need sponsorship money to be able to do a higher quality um, event. Just so happens with us, we have a shit ton of equipment, right? So a lot of the equipment we can already bring at no cost to the event. Um, and it's a lot more equipment than your average person. I have a 3,500 square foot warehouse full of running and triathlon equipment. Um, so I'm able to bring a lot of stuff that probably other smaller trailer trail operators don't have. Um, and of course, you know, I'm a gambling guy, so I, I don't mind making investments in, in new projects. And this was, this was certainly a pivot for us to try something different with the pandemic. Yeah. What kind of made you decide to go, I'm going to try this type of race now? Well, I mean, so, I mean, I, I ran Ragnar Key West, Miami to Key West years and years and years ago. I thought it was cool, but like, you know, it's just shitty running on some of those streets. And then once I saw that Ragnar 
um, copied some other operators with the relay stuff. And I started doing the math in my head. I said, shit, they're probably printing money. Um, so let's, we should look at this model. And I just been too busy with my other two companies, um, with the, with the road races with BDR, with the event production stuff I do with best damn events. Um, we thought, I don't have time to think about that. But when the pandemic hit, we had a lot of time to think about some stuff. So we thought, you know, if road races are going to be down per, uh, participation wise and closed um, due to certain things, trails are certainly open. So we thought we'd make a pivot and give this a try. Um, and we did, you know, we planned it, you know, last year during the pandemic, opened it up and, you know, I, I would be lying if I told you I didn't order a thousand medals and a thousand um, koozies and a thousand of this and that. Uh, turns out, you know, we only had 230th registrations or so. So that was kind of a shock. Um, but it turned out to be, you know, I think a good investment. You know, we we learned a lot. Um, we put on a solid, solid race and made a and and found out that look, our roadrunners are not trail runners. And they're certainly not ultra runners, but there is some overlap, right? So I think like probably close to 50% of the, the field was existing BDR participants that have run with us before, but the other half were just brand new. Maybe they're Ragnar people, maybe they're trail runners, maybe they're ultra runners. So diving into a new bucket of um, customers is, you know, obviously good to expand the brand, um, you know, but, you know, Obviously, I think we want to come back and, and do a better job, and I want to turn that 230 people into maybe 750 or something like that so we can actually make a little bit of money while we're doing it. And that was a cool thing, too, because, you had, yeah, you have a lot of roadrunners now experiencing trails for some of them for the first time. Oh, yeah, there was a bunch of people that were like, I'm never doing this shit again. Sorry, I'll see you at BDR, but I'm never gonna, you never see me here again. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then, um, you know, then there was a, a group of people that – we're like, this is awesome. All I want to do is run trails now, you know? And it was very, and we strategically picked um, Starkey Park. It's very non-technical, right? Two of the three loops are super non-technical. Even loop B has got um, like two and two, two miles on paved trail. Um, it's just loop C had a lot, uh, a lot of loose sand, but again, compared to Alafaya for, for Ragnar, I mean, this is a joke as far as technicality goes on the course. Yeah, because I heard that someone had a YouTube video about their experience out there, and they're talking about Sea Loop with all the sun and sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to, I'll, you'll have to send me the link. I'll have to take a look at it. But it, it's cool. You know, you got the camping, the clamping, and then you had, there were the golfer, golfer tortoises out there. Oh, yeah, the, the, the turtles were cool, man. Like, that was, I mean, they were, all their little uh, homes and nests were all around the camping and stuff like that. So they'd poke out and check out what was going on and then go back in. Yeah, and that was a cool experience for, like, a especially a lot of those people who do roads, like how often do they really see a gopher tortoise? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that really I fell in love with, with Starkey Park about versus when I toured Alafaya was, I mean, Starkey Park has indoor bathrooms and indoor showers and they're, I mean, they're indoor outdoor, but they're still like running water and running hot water for showers. And there was cabins that we sold uh, and rented out. So like, it was really, it was non-technical versus super technical. And the courses are wide versus running on a mountain bike. Uh, single track. So I think that anyone that's looking to get into this type of event, trail running slash uh, relay runs should really take a look at this event or even other events that are out at Starkey Park. It'd be, it's probably a good intro to um, 
a good intro to trail running. Yeah, exactly. So with, I know you have best damn race and then there's best damn events. What's the difference between the two? The best damn race owns and operates anything that's owned. That's the best damn race. So, you know, best damn race, Safety Harbor, Orlando, New Orleans, Miami, so on and so forth. It also left over 5k, um, freaking hot 5k. So it's the events that we own. Um, best damn events is a separate company that I own and that's an event production company. So other people, ask us to help them with their events. So we do it under that umbrella. So anywhere from the Girl Scouts 5K, who was our first client, you know, back in 2015, I believe, all the way up to uh, Clash Endurance Challenge North America, where we were doing the PTO World Championships in 2020 at uh, the Daytona International Speedway on NBC Sports. Um, So anyone that we don't own that reaches out to us for helping their event is under that best of events umbrella. And, and currently I think we have 23 events that we help produce or rent equipment to for best damn events in the 2022 calendar and seven events that are owned by best damn race under that flag. Wow. That's a, that's a lot going on. We have. Yeah. I mean, literally today we are before I happened to call with you, we were vacuuming and washing all the tents from this weekend and cleaning the warehouse. So it's, it's a busy time, my friend. <laughs> And I heard something about sea turtles. Sea turtles. Oh, um, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, one of our early clients was the Clearwater Aquarium. And we used to do turtle releases. So one of the guys that was the marketing director for the Clearwater Aquarium, where, you know, they film dolphin tail and all that kind of stuff. Um, they do rescue sea turtles and release them into the ocean. But what he wanted to do was make a spectacle, spectacle out of it. So his old days at Ironman you know, he knows all about a finish line and a start line. So he reached out to us and said, Hey, you know, can you bring a, a, a start finish line structure to Clutter beach and we'll do some speakers and we'll invite the media and we'll release these turtles through the arch into the ocean and then tell people how they can track the turtle in the ocean. So um, some of our early best damn events um, clients, you know, or events, excuse me, were, you know, work, working with the Clearwater Aquarium on those turtle releases. Wow, that, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was fun, man. I mean, like, and so, you know, sometime it would be, you know, in the middle of spring break and there'd be a thousand people and uh, they're expecting to see this big turtle and it's a little baby turtle they're releasing, right? So it was kind of anticlimactic. And then <laughs> next thing you know, they're doing a loggerhead turtle that's like 80 pounds and it's just freaking massive so that would be really cool it was much better obviously for the for the filming so um yeah i mean girl scouts to sea turtles to professional triathlon uh organization championships yeah that that's amazing yeah all over the map my friend. have you ever gotten an email that made you uh tear up <sighs> no i mean i'm kind of an emotional robot <laughs> so <laughs> i don't get too emotional um i i get angry at a lot of emails more so than like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I don't think I ever feel proud enough, right? Like I, I feel like um, my old my old triathlon coach, he used to say, you know, I'm not going to give you a backpat for doing what you're supposed to do, right? Um, if I hit my times on a training run or a bike or a swim, there would be no no attaboys, no backpats, right? Because that's what I was supposed to do. Similarly, you know, with a run or an event, like I'm supposed to do all these things. It's supposed to be the best damn race, right? Literally, figuratively, uh, logistically, we're supposed to crush it. So I don't, I don't really need those backpats. Um, so when someone says good job, I'm like, 
all right, thanks. You know, I, that's what we're supposed to do. It's what you're paying me for. Um, it's the people that have complaints that are unfounded or unrealistic. It's what I, then I actually get angry and I focus on that small percentage that's not happy. And no, it's probably not a healthy way of looking at things, but at least <laughs> me being super OCD and, and uh, you know, a workaholic to be able to make sure my events go smooth is, is good. A, a good job is a good job. And it's like, come on, it's running. Like, as the most, we can all agree on running, beer, and having a good time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So one of, the, one of the best emails that, like the best ones that I've gotten was from, from this lady. And she said that when she was out on the course, like for one, she hit the point where she's never ran further than this. And it was dark. She started crying. And then finally, she was like, wait a minute, I can do this. And then just that, it got her to the finish line. That was an email that I was like, wow, like this is what I'm here for. Yeah, I mean, that's inspirational and it's nice and it's sweet. And it, it really, what should this, what, what this should really be all about is helping people accomplish a goal. And for me, it was competition. You know, I wanted to win a 5K, I wanted to beat my friends and, and that kind of stuff. And for some, from others, it's just completing it, you know? Um, and that's pretty awesome. So, you know, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're trying to have fun and accomplish some goals and, and be competitive and, you know, ob and obviously make some money at the same point in time. So uh, I will say that if I worked this hard in another field, I would make a lot more money than, we're, than I'm making. Um, but it's, it wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, because it's just better to follow your passion and what you're having fun with. Oh, no question. If you can make money and do, doing what you enjoy, I mean, shit. I mean, it's it, like, look, I'm not discounting the fact that this is really hard work because it is. It's <laughs> it's just crushing. There's nothing like being, you know, in um, March, we were in Orlando for BDR Orlando. The very next week, I was in Miami Homestead for Clash Endurance Triathlon for eight days. And then we went straight to New Orleans, you know, it's <laughs> so like three <laughs> weeks of hell, man. But, you know, super rewarding. So with owning an organization and race directing, what, from the bottom line, what does that mean for you? You know, it's funny, you know, uh, again, I'll go back to Bill Burke. And he told me one time that all the race, all a race director is, and I guess, I, I don't know if he wants me to share this, but I'll say it. He is, you know, all the race director is, is you're the first motherfucker there and you're the last motherfucker to leave. <laughs> <laughs> That is so true. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, that said, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility on your shoulders where anything and everything is falls on you, right. As an organization, as an event director, as a race director. Um, so obviously I take it very seriously and, and we make sure that we plan ourselves to death uh, for every possible scenario. Do we catch every scenario? No, but um, the best compliment to, to us isn't, Hey man, that was the greatest post-race party ever. Great. Thanks. But what I really care about as a race director is if they say that was the most organized event I've ever been to. Uh, when you hear organized, you know, that means from soup to nuts, you know, from parking to packet pickup to running the event, they didn't get lost. They got their pack quick. They got their food quick. They got it to leave, you know, all of that. That's, that's what you want to hear. And as a race director, you, it's, it's basically whether you're hurting 223 uh, relay people or you're hurting, you know, 4,500 people in the streets of safety Harbor in a 16,000 person town, you want it to be logistically clean. 
for sure with the organization, it's a make or break for a lot of people out there. And two, with like just putting on an event, you know, it's really giving people a place to either crush their goal, you know, crush a barrier, kind of prove to themselves like, wow, man, I did it. But I also did it here at this race. Not so much that like, like a, you know, a race is a race, but you kind of want it to be like that special place and moment. Oh, no question. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a triathlon or it's a Girl Scouts 5K or it's a running, whatever it is. You, you want to make sure that it's the athlete has a safe, logistically clean, fun experience, right? Um, and the rest will take care of itself. I mean, you can't control the weather, you know? Um, so uh, throwing the weather out, but you can't, you, a lot of the other things you can control. Yeah. So I guess we'll wrap it up with what's, what's next on the best damn race calendar. Shit. So next weekend is a best damn events event. We're doing 5k by the 5k by the bay in safety Harbor, uh, for, um, Bouchard, Marsh McClellan agency insurance. And that's going to benefit the Grammatica foundation. Then the very next week we'll be doing St. Anthony's triathlon, uh, here in St. Pete, um, a week off. Then another race, and then two weeks later, or a week off after that one's freaking hot 5K. Then we get finally get a month off for the summer, which will be nice. So just event after event after event, my friend. <laughs> hey, that's the way it should be. Yep. Pays the bills, right? <laughs> that's right. Sometimes. You used to pay the bills a lot better than pre-pandemic, but uh, post-pandemic, it's it's worked twice as hard for the same money, right? Well, cool, my friend. I look, I appreciate you uh, reaching out and wanting to have a conversation and uh, you know, let me know if you have any other questions. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. It was cool. Cool. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. All right, later. And there we have it with Nick. It's awesome to see how someone decided to create and follow their own passion, especially here, even just in the running world in general, you know, and then to just make it happen, especially to provide community something different, you know, a different atmosphere from a lot of other races out there. And that's really what's great with the best damn race. Next up, we've got a big one with the Endurance Hunter. I'll be chatting with Jeff and Hunter, as well as Mr. Hot Chocolate, Lucien Boulet, and Joseph Greenslade. So they'll be chatting up, talking about that race, and all the journeys that it took them through out there on that race course. So until next time, happy trails.